1: Welcome again to the Informed Traveller Radio Show. I'm Randy Sharman. This part of the show brought to you by Park2Go. Value valet. No hassles. No delays. That's a promise. And with North Korea in the news lately, I thought it might be interesting to go back to an interview we did last year with Wendy Simmons. She's the author of the book, My Holiday in North Korea, The Funniest Worst Place on Earth. So we have that interview for you now. Let's start here. What made you want to travel in North Korea in the first place?
0: Well, I'm a, an explorer, obviously, and I'm interested in seeing the whole world. And, uh, you know, these days it's harder and harder to find unique experiences. And uh, North Korea really delivered on that front. You know, it's like no place I'd never been before. So um, it was just I wanted to go to see it before it changed. and. To see how people lived and if it was the same as everything I'd seen on the news.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I've read your book, and I think uh, I will never take for granted the freedoms we have here in Western society and the life we live, because it certainly uh, is very bizarre, very peculiar. Uh, You call it a holiday in your uh, title. It seems to me... Um, when you're taken around by a couple of tour guides and shown what they want you to see on their schedule, uh, and then they take you back to your hotel and you're not allowed to leave, uh, that sounds like a great holiday to me.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I called it my holiday because I went there on vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, I didn't go there to write a book. I just went there to see another part of the world. But you're right. I mean, in terms of fun holidays, it was certainly at the bottom of the list. It was, it, you know, you're never alone. It's completely structured. Your handlers meet you at the airport when you land, and they are with you at all times uh, unless you are in your hotel room. And that includes, I mean, it, and, and by the way, this is my experience. It may be different for other tourists. I think everybody has handlers with them, but the, the extent to which mine monitored me may be different than what other people experience, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't even allowed to go to the bathroom by myself. (laughs) I mean, I, I was with them all the time, unless I was in my room. Asleep,
1: essentially. Yeah. Well, tell me what a typical tourist has to go through just to get to North Korea to begin with. Some of the hurdles you might uh, do just getting there and planning a a trip. And then uh, some of the highlights, if that's what you want to call them. And and maybe, (laughs) maybe talk a bit, too, about your handlers. There's older handler, there's fresh handler, and then there's driver that you explain in the book.
0: Yeah, three characters, to say the least. I'll tell you, getting there isn't that difficult, or it wasn't for me. There's a couple of agencies that are based in China that do really all the legwork for you. Uh, you, you know, correspond with them, and they help you get the visa. And you before you can actually get a visa to North Korea, you have to plan your hour-by-hour itinerary and submit it. And uh, the North Korean government won't actually issue you a visa until 24 hours in advance. So you have to fly to Beijing uh, without certainty that you're going to be allowed then. And then once you're in Beijing, they'll issue a visa or they won't. Uh, it's the getting out part that's become more difficult these days. And, uh, you know, the itinerary is varied. I was there for quite a long time compared to most people. I was there 10 days. It doesn't sound like a long time, but in North Korea, I believe me, feels like an eternity. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did such strange things. I went to orphanages. I went to farms. I... Went to you know schools. These things called children's palaces, which are these after-school programs. Reportedly, you know factories. All all kinds. They they want to show you the totality. The, sorry, the totality of Korean life, as they believe, um, you know, it, it shows the country in its best light. But there's sort of a certain a certain um, similarity to everything you do there because it's all. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to say it's staged or not. It's, that's really the conundrum of the trip is how much of what you're seeing is real. But everywhere you go, uh, you're met with local guides who are all dressed the same and sound the same and say the same thing and nowhere are there any you know, regular people when you show up and And uh, so it's a very surreal experience. So it's exhausting and um, and nobody, you know, speaks the truth or will answer any questions and everyone's lying to you all the time. (laughs) And it's just crazy. It's the craziest trip I've ever been on.
1: Well, it's true, right? The, the, when you read the book, it's like these, these blatant lies about uh, what was one instance you're looking at, uh, I think a couple of high-rise apartments, and they said, oh, it only took six months to build or whatever, and there's nobody there, like, and they're not even done. Well, I mean,
0: like, I was <laughs> standing outside in the rain, and they literally told me it was a nice sunny day. <laughs> well, you know, they li- I mean, they lie about everything to you. And, you know, the whole purpose of travel for me is to learn about new places, which... Um, you know, they make very difficult to do. And I, I think what is the most difficult as a tourist, uh, you know, it's one thing um, for people to put on their best face. You know, that's what PR people in our country do. Mm-hmm. But there's just no, there's no room for any kind of discussion. And at the same time, they won't shut up telling you how great everything is. <laughs> so, you know, they would kind of want it both ways. You're not allowed to ask any questions but you have to listen
1: to
0: the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, they stick to the script. I'll give them that. Everybody's very explicit.
1: <laughs> They're well they rehearsed.
0: they that everyone's on message. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: Well, the one that's thing and you mentioned this uh, is you never set out to write this book. And while uh, you were there, you're almost afraid to take notes or anything like that for fear of, you know, any kind of reprisal. So everything's from mm-hmm. memory, pretty much. Uh, and I, I think that's pretty hard to do. It's one thing you know, when you come back from a holiday, everything kind of blends together. So uh, it's kind of a unique uh, way of writing a book, isn't it?
0: It is. But, you know, well, first of all, I have a decent memory. But second, it was such a unique experience and so crazy that, um, you know, that was the whole reason I wrote the book. I, it stuck with me. I couldn't get it out of my head. And, you know, normally when I travel, I write Facebook posts all the time and blogs as I go. And, and everything that was happening to me there was so insane every day that I really worked to commit things to memory. And when there was particular instances or things that were said, I would take sort of cryptic notes at my phone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and you know, I'd write, like, half in Spanish, half in English, you know, and different... I'd put them in address books, that kind of thing. And the second, literally, the the second I cleared customs in China, I ran to the airport lounge and wrote down every single thing I could think of. And uh, when I got back to New York, you know, maybe 10 or 12 hours later, um, I did the same thing. I went through every picture and wrote everything down I could remember. And, uh, and but, you know, I think when things are, I don't want to say dramatic, it sounds too dramatic, but when things really affect you, you remember them more than you think you will. It, It was just so astoundingly different. And the things that were said to me were so crazy that, you know, how could you forget?
1: Well, and even then, too, and I'm looking through your book now, towards the end, you still have some compassion for the handlers that were uh, touring you around and the people that you met. Because uh, the chapter's title is, they're only human. And the one line that really stuck with me is, you know, I could never stop wondering if the kind of people my handlers could or would have been had they been born anywhere else. And it's kind of a sad kind of a comment on their society, isn't it?
0: Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I have nothing but compassion for my handlers and for the people who live there. And, uh, you know, that's why it was also part of what made it the worst place. It's not the people. You know they grow up in a bubble like none any of us can understand. They have no access to outside information i mean it 's starting to be smuggled in now, but you know as a government principal, there's no outside news there's no internet there, what 's taught in school is what the party espouses there's it's impossible it truly really is impossible to imagine growing up and being told you know, a certain set of, a a certain history, a certain set of lies, and there's no way to counteract that. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible place to live. So you can't feel anything but sympathy for the people who live there. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's a fascinating read. I wish I could say I want to go to North Korea now, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wendy Simmons is the author of the book, My Holiday in North Korea, The Funniest Worst Place on Earth. You can find it on her website, wendysimmons.com. It's always a pleasure to chat, Wendy. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it. The Informed Traveler with Randy Sharman is brought to you by MyGroupTravel.ca. Got a group? Want to travel? Get a quote. Go to MyGroupTravel.ca. And to listen to the show online, go
1: to TheInformedTraveler.ca.